Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, it's Jackie Cation, you guys. Uh, it's going to be an excellent episode. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com. Just points you to JackieCation.com. <laughs> so it's a podcast, The Dork Forest. I'm Jackie Cation, and uh, let's do the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Mike Rickberg just composed and sang the intro song, and he will sing his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. And Vilmos fixes JackieCation.com. It is December, you guys. In December, I ask that you do not donate to The Dork Forest. Instead, you donate to your local food bank. And you should, I mean, you could do it any month of the year, but in November and December, I say, instead of sending me $10 or $100 or $1 zillion, Google the name of your town and the words food bank, and you will come up with a food bank that could use a sandwich. So do that. And I hope everybody's having a good holiday season. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. And uh, what is my joke again? There's something else. Oh, if you're an atheist, I hope you get your laundry done. Huh? Come on. That's just good writing. Speaking of stand-up comedy, this week I am in Madison, Wisconsin, back in the old uh, college town doing comedy on state. So if you are in Madison, Wisconsin, or really anywhere in Wisconsin, it's just maximum four-hour drive, stem to stern, come on out. It's going to be a good one. And um, doing stand-up comedy at Comedy on State, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, one show Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday. Then I'm home for the holidays. Then I go back out and I'm at Acme Comedy Company, my home club in Minneapolis, Minnesota. All right. What else? Oh, because of the holidays, I suppose you have one week. Probably I could probably get you Christmas stuff if you are a Christmas person and want a T-shirt or a CD or a DVD from JackieCation.com. Go for it. Knock yourself out. I even have some hoodies in stock if you want to go hoodies. Uh, I'm out of double X. And other than that... The Amazon banner, if you are furiously ordering uh, nonsense from Amazon, feel free to go to the Dork Forest, go to uh, JackieCation.com, and use the white banner on the right side that says, support the show, shop Amazon. And then I get a kickback. There is premium episodes. There's probably half a dozen now. And they are live episodes that I have recorded. They cost me a little money to do, so I charge you guys. What makes them premium? That they're two dollars. They're a lot like these episodes, but with different people talking about exciting different dorkdoms. So get on it. I think it's the dorkforest.bandcamp.com, maybe. Anyway, I think that's enough. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room with Leslie Cena. The tea is silent. Welcome to the program, The Dork Forest. You are very quiet. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing it now. It's okay. happening. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. You write for The Devastator. I do. Right? With Asterios and other people that I've met whose names are spacing, I'm, uh, I'm spacing out. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so you are at Leslie Cena on Twitter mm-hmm. and Leslie.Cena on Instagram. Yes. And you have a website, LeslieCena.com. Yes. And you wrote a book with uh, Stereos and who uh, else? Patrick Baker and Patrick Baker yeah. um, about Windows ninety five, yes. which is hilarious. And did I send you the thing about Jason Klum? Yeah, you did. Right, because he has sort of a fake, like sort of zombie apocalypse book about uh, what the world, what happened, the sort of the history of the internet starting in the fifties. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, there's no. It, it's like the it's like the longest, slowest joke. <laughs> In the world. It's like a 300-page joke. But I like those kinds of jokes, especially mm-hmm. the ones where you can't understand why it why? started at all. Yeah. So much work. So much work. It's almost like claymation for me, where you're like, you spent half a day to put uh, cotton candy on a guy's head in Wallace and Gromit and the Were-Rabbit yeah. uh, just because you want cotton candy on that guy's head. And I love you for it yeah, because <laughs> of that kind of commitment. So, Leslie, let us talk. Uh, of we, we can talk. So the, the book is called Restart Me Up. And this is on what? Amazon and such? Uh, it's on Amazon and it's also on DevastatorPress.com. There you go. DevastatorPress.com. And then, um, yeah. So let's, but you wanted to dork out about yeah. other things. We will dork out. Restart me up. The unauthorized, unaccurate oral history of Windows 95. 
We'll get to Windows 95. Okay. I remember Windows 95. I used to do a joke about it. Um, back in 95. It's it about the sweet. right time to do do it. Yeah. I think it lasted well into the 2000s, though. I think I was doing that oh, joke yeah. in 2003. Well, that system lasted for a really long time, and nobody really liked Windows 98. Right. I didn't. I did not like Windows 98. Windows no. 95 was sort of a perfect. It's sort of like the 97 Camry. Yeah. It's and it was. Also it ran just, right. It was like the first of its uh, the first consumer operating system that well that has like a lot of things that uh, we got really used to like the start button and uh, the taskbar. Oh really? And, yeah. Okay. So that interface was the first time they did all that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Windows 3.1 was really there. Just there was not a lot there. Like there's yeah. a lot of things like the, the way Windows open and uh, the way that like like things like Windows Explorer were invented for Windows 90. Just oh, like was like it? a lot of like file management things. I believe double clicking yeah. came up around then. Shot it. That's yeah. kind of exciting. Yeah. Because who knew the history of double clicking? I know. I mean, I have to know these things now because I wrote about Windows 95. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, uh, and, and we've already jumped into it. Let's keep going. Okay. What else do you know about Windows? So was it, in, who, was it Microsoft? Who made it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it was developed by Microsoft. Okay. Uh, the, uh, one of the things we, I cover in the book, uh, is, uh, that it, there was sort of, there were sort of two competing teams. Um, it had a code name. It was called Microsoft Chicago. Um, they were working on a bunch of different, uh, code names at the point, at that okay. point. Like, I think Encarta was Gandalf. Um, but the operating <laughs> systems all had, uh, city names. So there's like Daytona and other ones. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so that, uh, that was developed as like their, their sort of, consumer version of uh, Windows 3.1, like the uh, version of that. Uh, and then there was also a competing, not, it was, it was not quite a competing project, but it was another kind of sexier project called Microsoft Cairo, uh, which was supposed to be an object. International. Oriented. Yes. <laughs> um, I think a lot of that stuff ended up in Windows NT 4.0 eventually, like they're, okay. they're a business version of it. But uh, yeah, there was, there were Chicago and, uh, and Cairo kind of going at the same time. And then a lot of that team moved over and it's a very dramatic thing in our book. I'm not sure if it was that dramatic in real life. <laughs> well, you know, you got to jazz it up. I, I read yeah. an unauthorized, um, abridged, um, unofficial history of Billy Joel in yeah. college. And they really, they really did some work. They had oh, to yeah. make Billy Joel super interesting. And the only reason I think it was inspired to write it was because he had just married Christy Brinkley. And so they were like, well, that's actually something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the rest of it is just him playing the piano and drinking a lot. And it wasn't even, he wouldn't even drink so much that he would get into like, like fights or anything. He would mostly just crash his car and then be sad. So they really had to, they were like an had, iconic journey. Right. It was not, he was no Jim Morrison that, that, that Billy Joel, but so yeah. Now it's interesting. So do you think that the team, who was making Cairo and the team that was making Chicago got to name things after their own towns. Uh, I do not think so. Um, I guess the other thing about this is, uh, well, actually in, in ours, there are like several other versions of much, with much t- more terrible cities that were running at the same time. Like there was like Microsoft Tirana and Microsoft, uh, I believe Svalbard. Uh, which turned out to be like in, in this book, it's uh, they they forget about Microsoft's Fallbard and it's in, a, in an ice bunker and they never find out that Windows oh, ninety five was released. That is an Easter egg, my friend. Yes. You got to find that guy. What do you know about? I mean, did you have you always like you're of an age growing up with computers? Yes. So what? I guess what, what made you, what made you guys go, we're going to write about Windows 95? Uh, it was one of those things, like, well, the Dev Series is interesting because it, it, it's a group of comedians and it has, so, like, it, it basically has a writer's room. Okay. And we've been switching from doing an anthology zine, uh, like an anthology of comics and humor writing to doing short books. And this was just an idea that had been floating around for a while doing something with Windows 95. I believe it was Asterios' idea, uh, to do something with Windows 95. Uh, and then I was working on fake oral history just sort of as, as an idea because I'd read World War Z and I thought that was a, okay. Like a, it also just seems to be like a format that's just sort of in the zeitgeist right now. Like there's always like some, it's like the oral history of the people on the bus in speed. Like there's like an oral history of everything right now. There's an oral history of the people on the bus in speed. Yes, there is. <laughs> uh, it's not that interesting. It's a lot of people on the bus in speed talking about how they were supposed to have bigger parts. <laughs> okay. I uh, don't mind that at all. That is hilarious. Um, wow. If it's an oral history, is this some sort of podcast? 
Uh, no, it it's actually storytelling. It's sort of like the way it's framed is that they they decide to make it's the twenty. Well, actually, it is the twentieth anniversary of Windows ninety five this year. Okay, and so it's supposed to be twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. I was at August twenty fourth, nineteen ninety five, was the launch of Windows ninety five. Okay, uh, and then uh, they they uh, decide to like make this enormous volume of tribute. Uh, so they go find all of these people, and the lawyers take a look at it, and now it's eighty four pages long. Right. <laughs> so n- they took out all the good stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, in our, our version, yes. In your version, because yeah. it was going to be amazing. It was going to be amazing. It was and just going to uh, be backstories and things about how the immigrant st- story with each with the, each family finally culminating in a in a programming job at at in, Microsoft yeah. or whatever. Like just there's a, a lot of like linked ver- things, but then it well, I mean, like a lot of the really silly stuff got it. Well, in our version, got in. Um, like there's a. There's a whole thing about how, well, the launch of Windows 95 is what it's really known for. It was one of the big, the biggest software launches pretty much ever. And I don't know if it's been equaled, uh, in Microsoft's history even. Uh, but yeah, like they had, Jay Leno was the host, um, of, had, of some sort of actual gathering. Yes. Of oh my God. Huge launch. And then they had people in, I believe in movie theaters watching it. Uh, and they just, they had like, like 95. Like, 95. In 1995. In 1995. Okay. People I've stood in line for it in like CompUSA. Like people waited, like there were lines. To get Windows the, 95. To get the discs. Yes. Okay. Which were at the time the ROMs and also floppies depending on which one. I think it was like right, 13 floppies. You need a stack floppies. of floppies. Yeah. Like yeah. 13 floppies. It was always interesting to me that they called them floppies when they were not floppy. Yeah. But the bigger ones were floppy. The yes. ones that were before the floppies. I, maybe it was to make people more comfortable because the floppy bit was inside. Right. But. It was floppy. Yeah. Uh, and so, you dig down deep enough, there is a flop. But there's, and then CD-ROMs. Yes. Which all the computers did not have. In 1990, I worked at Kinko's and I taught a class on how to use, uh, Macintosh. How to use computers oh, wow. at a Kinko's to people. And if I remember correctly, there were double clicks. I think it was, do- I, I think maybe Apple invented double click. I am pretty sure that's true. Uh, Actually, I, there's a, I, I guess the other thing that Windows 95 is known for is for having a lot of features that are similar to the Macintosh <laughs> operating system. Oh, right, right. Cause everybody was mad. Yeah. There was a great deal of, oh, all the Mac heads, yeah. all the Apple nerds were like, it's just a ripoff. And the rest of us were like, yeah, and we all know how to use it, and now we can use this other thing, which is actually open sourced and fine, right? Uh, yeah, well, no? the trash was invented. Um, well, no, the trash was is a was an Apple thing, and then uh, this version is when Microsoft came up with the recycle bin, which is totally not the same thing. It is not the no, difference. It's totally between- the same thing. It's totally. Yeah. The same. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. It seems like that when you threw it away in Mac, did it go away forever? No, it did not. No. You could empty the trash. You could restore things from the trash. So, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I like the idea that um, that Microsoft – and they really haven't had anything that big since, have they? I mean, things are going fine. I mean, they're not living check to check. It's fine. Yeah. But – but like, what was the, what was the other big one? I mean, in terms of just like the culture, I'm trying to think. Was Vista that big in terms of just impact? I don't think so. I don't think so either. But I remember it driving people crazy. Yeah, it, was, it feels like it's like the negative, like the backlash is the part that ends up in the culture, less less yeah. the like heralding of the new software. Right, right. There's not a lot of heralding. Dur, dur, dur. But I do think that, um, like, I have, I believe, 9.0 is my operating system, uh, Microsoft. Uh, Windows nine, Windows nine, whatever it's, yeah. Wait, is, I don't know if there is a Windows nine. Is it? I think they went from eight to ten. Oh yeah, yeah. And well, I, it is not ten because they keep asking me about ten. Oh yeah, then it's probably eight. Okay, yeah. So maybe it's Windows eight. So, um, yeah. Should I should I clean that up to make me sound more dorky or more knowledgeable? No, we're gonna leave it. We're gonna just let them let the world know that I don't know enough about operating systems. Well, I think it's just said that I know that. It's <laughs> It I'm does not, feel I'm sexy. Even, I'm not a Mac. I'm not. I'm a Mac user. Are you? A, yes. not, do you have a Mac laptop, desktop, or handheld device? Uh, I have a Mac laptop. Okay, and, and it's pretty old. It's uh, an older one. Yeah, I but just, you love it so. I don't want to buy a new one. Right. Yeah, it's a MacBook Pro from I don't know, like '06 or something. Oh, and, really? Yeah. I just so that's updated, nine years. It's nine years old. And I just updated from Snow Leopard to Mountain Lion like last week. Okay. Because are I those just, operating systems? Yes, they are. But they're also like several iterations back. Like I. Oh I, wow. Like I think the new one is. Uh, 
Oh boy, I should not be blanking. El Capitan. Um, but I think that will break. What the hell's my happening? Order. Wait, M- Macintosh has names like Snow Leopard and El Capitan. Oh yeah, when they went to like the the newest, like when they went to to OS X ten, uh, it was all like cats for a while. So okay. uh, it was something, and then tiger, and then leopard, and then snow leopard, and then lion, and then a mountain lion, and then. <laughs> Some others. <laughs> then they went to Mavericks because they got ran out of cats, I guess. So they went like, to horses? sounded good. Like, That's yeah. a, all right. Well, whatever, whatever turns them on. That does seem – I love – I was thinking about time travel and I was thinking about it going back in time to like the 80s and not having a cell phone. And you could get a beeper. There were beepers back then. I never did have a beeper. Um, I never felt the need. And now I could not imagine life without a cellular telephone. I remember I, I sort of envied people who had pagers uh, yeah. in the 90s. It just, I don't know, it seemed kind of cool. And like, remember the pager chains? It was no. like a little accessory you could put on your pager. Oh, like a chain to the wallet? Kind of, yeah. Oh my God. It was like a decorative chain. A decorative a chain, a beeper, yeah. pager. Yeah. I mean, I was in my 20s, so I thought a lot of things were cool just because they existed. Right. But, uh. <laughs> right. That's a thing I don't have. That must be cool. Like the, like I worked on a movie as a PA and I remember like our big location for the office was in the AirTouch building. Okay. Where's, what's that? Uh, well, like AirTouch was like a pager company. Oh, right. But, like, yeah. So they did really early, like, like. And they had a, they had their own building. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then I, I it the makes me want to Google. AirTouch and see how they're doing. Yeah, I don't. I doubt they're around. They maybe they got swallowed up by like Verizon or something, uh, or like and MCI hopefully. or something worse. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> so and then you worked in the cell phone industry. Yeah, I did. I ended up working uh, in uh, for like a um, a cell phone content aggregator. So we made cell phone ringtones and graphics uh, for all of the different carriers. Oh wow! Uh, and we were in a building which had Helio on the top. If you remember them, I don't. Okay, Helio was this like supposed to be super cool uh, uh, company that would bring like Kyocera and other like like really new phones from Korea, and yeah. uh, they had all this like uh, they they advertised a lot. Um, we were always annoyed at them because they wore their own merch. While working there. Uh, <laughs> and and then, that, it, it doesn't matter. When you're in your 20s, you know instinctively you're not supposed to wear your own merch. Oh, yeah. It's totally. something that only 20-year-olds know, by the way. Everyone else, like once you hit like 30 and 40, you're like, but I think it's kind of cool. And you're like, stop. Yeah, no. you don't care. Remember when you were 20 in 1972 and you knew better than to wear your own? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter when you turn twenty, you are given a manual. I think they had dog tags or something like that. Was like one of their little cool things. I'm like, why would you wear a dog tag with the name of your company on it? Yeah, it's a little too much ownership, man. Yeah. It's the man. So, so you did you program these things? Or uh, you- no, I was. Uh, I worked in what they called content processing, which really makes you sound like a monkey or something. Uh, <laughs> we would process content. We would upload uh, all of the, uh, the, uh, the sort of traffic kind of stuff. Well, sort of more like there are there because there are so many types of phones. They all had different uh, like screen sizes and they took different types of files. And so we right. had to have duplicate files or like different lengths or slightly different. Everything was fiddly as all heck. Yes. And How so about- we had to have a database that, that delivered all of that stuff. So I was a temp who went in doing and did that for a long time. And then I stuck around and I worked on a mobile video app. Uh, I wouldn't, it wasn't called an app at the time. It was an application mm-hmm. um, that did not launch, but I worked on like video compression and stuff like that. Interesting. You know, the, uh, the weird thing about, um, because, wow, I've completely spaced exactly what I was going to say, but it was about <laughs> it was about having the um, the hell was it? It was an amazing story. You got anything uh, about apps or about the cell about like- about oh cell phones? Yeah, there you go. Uh, I have this to say about cell phones: <laughs> is that I have been very supportive of people who work in cell phone stores. Once I realized that if you work in a cell phone store, you have to be able to to know a, th- a hundred different cell phones. Yeah, you you do. Uh, and you're making what nine bucks an hour, maybe commission. It's a lot, and the thing is, it's like there's so many things that can go wrong. Like we had a testing department too, which I mm-hmm. worked in really briefly, and so we had to. Well, it, it was some, it was sort of like we would do profiling of the of we called them handsets, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and then you just had a pile of phones, and you <laughs> had to run like a whole bunch of diagnostics on them to see like how big of a screen do they have, like how many things can you type in them, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. and just a, sort of a quality control thing, or yeah, uh, or just like sort of like it was so the graphics people and the ringtone people like knew what to build for each one. Okay, how to format. So you were everything. getting all the information by yeah. going through 
a stack of cell phones. It's the most boring job. It uh, it sounds pretty dull. It does not sound great. If you work in the cell phone industry, I guess, like, well, at least, I don't know, at the time, because this is all pre-iPhone, uh, if you ask anybody in that department what the best cell phone is, we'd just say, like, they're all terrible. <laughs> Did you have an early cell phone? Uh, I had, uh, an, let's see, I had a Nokia Ericsson. No, I had a Nokia, what is, I, know, I had an Ericsson at one point. I right. had a Nokia 6010, which was the candy I had the phone. 6010. Everybody had that phone for that like a That thing was a brick, man. Yeah, it, it, I dropped it all the time. And it never had any problems. And then they were like, well, this, we're never going to sell more cell phones if we keep making these. And so then they fixed it. Yeah. So it would I, be something else. I remember I had a nicer one because it had a color screen. Ooh. Uh, and that screen was like 90 pixels by like something. <laughs> uh, right. It's so, I mean, it just, it, it, it leaps and bounds ahead of itself. All of this technology where you're like, it's almost like when you open a floodgate of something where you become, mm, I guess it's like, remember that goofy book, the tipping point? Yes. Yeah. So it was like, it's where you hit 10,000 hours in programming. And then all of a sudden it's like a brand new universe opens up and you have, terabytes of of information that could be stored on on the something the size of your hand or your thumb or whatever and so i mean it's really weird so you guys essentially just make fun of windows 95 in this uh, book yeah or also just sort of like about working in software uh, and I mean, like, it kind of blows out to a whole bunch of different things. We talk about the marketing of it, uh, because their marketing of it was insane. And so we talk about like the things that they didn't, uh, weren't, weren't able to do. Uh, like, and we have a whole thing about how they wanted to get flocks of birds to form the Microsoft logo and fly over cities, but they couldn't train <laughs> enough birds in the right color to do that. Right. It was all the color. Yeah. Like, you could get the birds to do it. You just yeah. couldn't find the right font. Or they would fight. Uh, or they, yeah. <laughs> That is hilarious. So now when I said, what are your dorkdoms? You also said that you are studying Mandarin. Yes, I am. Now, Mandarin, there's Mandarin and there's Cantonese. Yes. I'm sure there's uh more than that. But yes. those are the two big ones, oh, right? Yeah. 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 Now, where does Mandarin, what's the difference? Do you have any idea the difference between Mandarin and Cantonese? Yes. Well, Mandarin is the, it's called, well, it's, it's also called Putonghua, which is the common language. So it is the most common um Okay. A dialect of Chinese. Uh, and Cantonese is more in the south of China. Uh, I would say, well, I'm not trying to learn it because it's, well, so Mandarin has four different tones. It's a tonal language. Okay. Uh, Cantonese has, I believe, seven. Uh, Are all languages tonal? No. What does tonal mean? Uh, tonal means if you don't say it right, it means something else. Ah, yeah. So there, there are errors that can be made in English or other languages, but they are not necessarily tonal. Yes. It's, so you can say the word ma and it can mean four different things depending which tone you put on it. It can mean horse or your mom or, uh, some other, or it can mean, uh, I just said, I just asked you a question. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, what is nihama? Uh, it is hello. And is that in Mandarin or Cantonese? It is in Mandarin. So, well, go look so at me. Me is uh, is um, you, and then how is good, and Ma is I asked you a question. I asked you a question. Yeah. How so, good are you essentially? How good? Uh, yeah. Are you good? Yeah. yeah. Are you good? Yeah. And you can say how, which is good. How good mm-hmm. are you? Good. I I can do and buha buha, which is not good. Not good. That's is, all. Yeah. It's really easy. You can or also you can say good, not good, which is how buha. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Oh I'm, god, my tones oh. are probably really bad right now because I'm not thinking about them. But yeah. Because it's, you probably have to concentrate a lot. Just, and are you also learning to write it? Yes. Well, I'm learning how to read more than I'm learning how to write. Uh, and partly it's just, it's just one more thing. And the other thing too is I can text and type in it. So I'm sort of being lazy about it. I'm oh. about to take a, a language proficiency exam. Uh, and I just found out that there might be a writing portion for five questions. And I think I'm screwed. <laughs> Maybe, because uh, there's uh, how many characters are in Mandarin? Thousands and thousands, thousands and thousands. I need to know around six hundred to pass this test. Okay, or at least that's I need to be familiar with around six hundred uh, different words. And you have to draw them, or you can just type them. Or uh, I'm going to take the computer version of the test, so I will mostly be typing. But I think there are five questions where they they write it out in Pinyin, which is the the like the romanization okay. uh, version. Like it's just like syllable by syllable, uh, it corresponds to to a specific character. Oh, wow. But I think, like, they have, like, really simple ones. They're like, how do you write middle or stuff like that? Like, they'll write the word for middle and you have to write it. And luckily, that's one I know. Right. But, but well, that's best for an example on the Dork Forest, yeah. for sure. Like, like China is, like, is, uh, was Zhongguo. And, like, it's just, like, it's like a box with a line through it. Okay. And you see it 
everywhere. I've seen it. Yeah. I've mostly seen it in front of Korean restaurants. Oh, yeah. Which is weird. Does it mean that they have Chinese food? Um, well, if it's in Korean, probably not. Um, yeah. Like, I don't really know what, because that's a different alphabet, too. I, I don't know if it actually, I don't know how Korean I heard that works. there was some overlap between all of the characters in Asia and Southeast Asia. It's possible. I don't know how it works in, say, like, Thai. Um, well, in Japanese, there are the kanji, uh, and those are a lot of the same characters as in Chinese. Okay. They just mean different things. But ah. then they also have like the kind of like more, uh. Standard? Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. But it's, 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 it corresponds more to an alphabet. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the hard part about learning Chinese is that you're not learning an alphabet. You're learning like a pictorial language. And sometimes the characters have a meaning and uh, like sometimes like the, the character has a meaning and sometimes the character has a suggestion of how you pronounce it. Oh, okay. And it's really complicated. Uh, and then you're also learning at this point, if you're learning, um, in like China or usually if you're, you're learning here, uh, you're learning a simplified character, uh, like characters that were made up in the fifties. Um, and there are much, much more complicated versions, which they still use in uh, like Singapore and Taipei, like Taiwan and places like that. Like if you're raised with it and, and they're like, well, there's a whole nother level of Chinese essentially. Yeah. There's like the much more complicated version that developed over thousands of years. Right. Um, or is there, there's the simplified version that has been being used uh, in mainland China since the 50s. Okay, and exported so that people can, if they want to, communicate in Chinese. They yeah. could. Yeah. And that's and what made you take it? I mean, how long have you been taking it? What's I've, the scoop? About two years. Um, well, I'm half Chinese, uh, so my mom speaks both Mandarin and Cantonese. Oh, wow. Uh, because she is she is from mainland China, from the southern part, uh, and they live in Taiwan. Uh, so she learned Cantonese growing up, and then when they went from uh, mainland China to Taiwan, um Taiwan is a largely Mandarin speaking country. Um, although, oh, okay. yeah, although they do use the difficult characters, uh, or traditional characters, excuse me. Um, so I don't know. I how find them difficult. They're, I'm willing to go with it regardless. Yeah, regardless. Um, so yeah, she speaks both, but my dad doesn't speak any Chinese. And so we just never learned it. Uh, we went to Chinese school, which is kind of like Hebrew school, only it's Chinese and it's at night on Fridays and kids have to go to it. <laughs> Uh, and stare at each other. Yeah. And we were in like, they called us the special class, which was just sounded terrible. It was like all the kids who didn't speak at home and we learned basically nothing. Yeah. We had the same thing in the Armenian class when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And, uh, in, in Wisconsin. So we essentially, like I would learn words that my grandmother was like, no one says the Armenian word for automobile mm-hmm. is charge, which, uh, means a horseless carriage essentially. Yeah. Right. And she's like, yeah, I left, uh, Turkey in 1915. So we didn't even have any bicycles. So the Armenian word for me for a car is auto. And so that's, I mean, all the people who spoke and, and in, in South Milwaukee, actually, that Armenian was a mishmash of Armenian and Turkish mm-hmm. and Arabic mm-hmm. because they had all just been marched through. They were from Turkey. They had yeah. been marched through Arab lands and, uh, they spoke Armenian. So it was just a complete my bro- my dad tells me that whenever he speaks to somebody who's from Armenia, mm-hmm. he can sort of understand them. Yeah. They don't have a chance in hell understanding him in what he thinks is Armenian. Yeah. They might as well speak English. Well, there's like things like, like we, we learn like goodbye, but, and our teacher was like, well, I mean, honestly, a lot of the time you're just going to hang up with the phone and just say bye bye. Right. Like, I know. My mom does that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she's, and she has lived in this country forever? Uh, since about 1960, maybe five. Okay. Yeah. She came in here for graduate school. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then hooked it up and stuck it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so you're half Chinese. So you're like, I want to learn Mandarin. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is like, I've, I do travel there very occasionally. I'd say less so because I don't speak Chinese and it's just, it's, incredibly disorienting. Right. Um, so I was out there for a funeral and I just, it was just enough. I'm just like, the only thing that could really make this easier, uh, would be to learn a very hard language. And I think I've got time. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. I have a friend of mine who's uh, Chinese and, um, he, he's like, you know, I get a lot. They, 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 he is from Hong Kong mm-hmm. and he goes to mainland China and he said, people can tell that I'm an American. Because I have an American Chinese accent. Because he's been here since what, 1970 or yeah. 1980, and um, 
So he's like, I don't even want to speak Chinese with them because they're going to get all in my face yeah. about what <laughs> they might as well just think that I'm an American. And because it's, it's going to be more complicated. I, I kind of wonder about that because it all just sort of depends like what you look like. Like I'm definitely going to read as like mixed race in, in mm-hmm. Asia, although not necessarily here. Um, right. I, I would have, uh, I would have gone Chinese. Yeah. But yeah. I also like, you know, <laughs> so. but like when I, like, I think when, People who are Chinese look at me like like what's different is very very apparent. Okay, um, like yeah, hair color and things like that. Uh, but just but yeah, but it, it's sort of like you, you it. What I I mean, my Chinese teacher is white. Uh, he studied in in college and then he went to Shanghai for like five years. Okay, um, so his Mandarin is fantastic. Um, but people are incredibly happy when he speaks Chinese. I don't know if they're going to be incredibly happy when I speak Chinese poorly. Right. Yeah. Because they're just proud of him to some extent. Yeah. Like he's really made an effort. Right. Whereas and I'm kind of, you know, oh, like, oh, well, finally. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> right. Why don't you rise? I get a lot of that here, actually, about being Armenian because mm-hmm. there's so many Armenians in L.A. They're like, you don't speak Armenian? I was yeah. like, no, I can make food and go to church. Is that anything you're interested in? Were both of your parents Armenian? Just my dad. And then my mom's uh white, uh, Irish, Norwegian. Well, I feel like there's like a lot of baggage around that, too. Like, especially like, like yeah, if there like is an immigrant community that you're like, uh, like, not not even or adjacent to probably less than part of if you're mixed, and that you know maybe you just don't want to learn it. Right. Well, I was. We were pretty immersed, and it was great, and we were on board, and we were accepted, and everything. My mother, weirdly enough, was never accepted into the church when I was a kid. They would always be like, mm, "Too white, too not Armenian," and you're like, "Well, you're a dick." Because mm-hmm. she has six children that are half Armenian, and you like all of us, and so and she's going to the church, so she's right. She's yeah. going to church. She's putting it out, and they have mellowed. Like mm-hmm. one of one of my brothers, who's like the parish council mm-hmm. muckety muck, his wife is could not be more British Isles mutt, and they're fine. They're yeah. it's fine. Then. But uh so you know, thirty years later, it's fine, or fifty years later. My uh, dad is Albanian, actually. Okay. Yeah, I, but I'm never going to learn that language. It's right. I just want Does he still thing. have family over there? Have you uh, visited them? I've never visited there. Um a lot of but a lot of people from in my family have uh like emigrated in the last couple of years or like in the last decade or two. Have co- uh, have come uh, to on his side. Yeah. 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 Like there's a big community in Boston um and I guess in St. Louis as well. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh so what so what are you going to do is it just for when you travel? Uh pretty much. Although uh, I finally got to, well, I don't, I'm, I'm still at the point where I'm sort of like on the edges of being able to comprehend what's happening when people are speaking at a, a normal speed. Uh, like, okay. I'll, I know the subject. I won't necessarily know what's being said about it. Like, it's enough that I feel like I should be there, um, listening to the conversation, but not so much that I really feel comfortable participating. Where you're going to be a terrible spy. Yeah. It's really not going to work out. I'm just uh. going to have like, like talked about work. <laughs> That's right. it. I think they want to go to a TGI Fridays. Yeah, like, I'm a- <laughs> like with a really common phrase, like I don't understand, or like you know, uh, can you come over here or something? Oh, like okay, that. like I'll, I'll, I'll. Those are starting to stick, but I have to really think about it. Can you ask for where the bathroom is? Yes. Okay. Well, how does that sound? Uh oh, God. Now, oh, I'm on, on the, the spot. spot. I know you can uh, do it. Well, I know that one of the words is uh, Wei Xiang Jian, which is like a sanitation room. Okay. Like, so where is like that? Like water closet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wei Xiang Jian. Yeah. Okay. Oh God! I hope nobody really speaks Mandarin listening to this. <laughs> do you so talk bad. to your mom? No. She won't do it, or no, you won't she do will. It? It's just I won't do it quite yet because okay. the last time that we did that, she told me she asked me if I knew that Chinese had four tones, and I had already been studying for six months. And I'm like, I think this is an advanced maneuver talking about. Oh yeah, uh, it's. Yeah. Uh, I did like my cousins from Hong Kong were visiting, so we all went to the cheese- cheesecake factory, and it was almost entirely in Mandarin. Okay, uh, in Irvine, so we were being very Chinese. Right. That is, it could be no, no more, no less. We yeah. got married. My husband and I got married in a Chinese restaurant. Oh, really? Which yeah. one? Yeah. See the, uh, see our invitation? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's the, I, I don't know if it's Mandarin, Cantonese, or one of those tattoos that usually just means, hey, idiot white folks, uh, yeah. wanted to write that. Andy liked it because it's, it's sort of looks like my initials, JK. Yeah. And it's very sweet of him. But that's, that's the, that's our invitation. And it means forever, supposedly. I don't know that word. <laughs> well, uh, then, then, then we can continue to believe it. Yes. <laughs> 
I thought uh, we were, we learned uh, the word for and, and I'm like, oh, if I get a Chinese tattoo, I'm going to get the Chinese word for and, <laughs> and then that'll be just fun to explain. That'll be perfect. Yeah. Do you have any tattoos? I don't have any. Me neither. I've. Ne- it's never. I don't want anything that permanent yet. I got a henna tattoo once, and I got sick of it after like a week, and then I oh, that much- is a sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. it's funny, I feel like everybody I know has tattoos now. Yeah, almost everybody yeah. I know has tattoos. I think. Some children don't. That yeah, I know. that's true. There's a couple of kids out there. We got married at a dim sum restaurant downtown that is now closed called the Empress Pavilion. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. It used to be amazing. Yeah. And then it kind of went downhill and yeah. then it closed. Yeah. And then I think it's reopened, but it's not as good. My friend George does a, like a Christmas, uh, Chinese get together there. Well, not, not Chinese get together. It's like just whoever's in town. And right. At, at the Chinese yeah. place. And and that's where he goes? That's where he goes. I oh, don't know where. I guess they're probably still doing it there. I don't know where they went the year that it was closed down. Oh, that's interesting. Because we had to drive out to Monterey Park. Yeah. Mo- Monterey something. Yeah. And uh, and it was great. And quite honestly, uh, when I want authentic Chinese food. That's where you go. That's where I'm, I'm willing to drive. I don't need to go to Ranch 99 up here. <laughs> really don't. No, it'll be fine. I can eat Mexican. Uh, it'll it's be sort of funny. Like uh, I went there, uh, I went there like a couple weeks ago to see a movie at, uh, I guess, the AMC in Monterey Park, and they play all the Chinese movies. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Do you uh, go to that to sort of practice your Chinese. That's why I've been going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was a there's a comedy called Goodbye, Mr. Loser um, that I just saw, <laughs> which is a uh, it's a time travel movie about a guy who goes back to high school and uh, then decides to become a, a he decides instead of like betting on horses, he decides to cover all of the big. Mandarin pop songs and become a star that way. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a crazy movie. I really enjoyed it. Like Hot Tub Time Machine, kind, kind of, of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Only, well, what's it called? Uh, Goodbye, Mister Loser. <laughs> Goodbye. It might still be playing. I don't know. Oh my god! For a while. It's, uh, it sounds fascinating. But it's weird to kind of just get immersed in something that I haven't really been immersed in before. Like I, yeah, like I went in there. There were no white people in there. Right. Uh, in that in that screening because. It was entirely in in Chinese, in Mandarin. It's good for me because uh, the subtitles are also in Mandarin, so I can either read it or listen to it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, like there, there'll be two sets of subtitles and we'll be in English. Uh, Okay. The other one are, the other ones are in Mandarin and that's super helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that, that is, that is super dorky. You're like, no, no, I seriously want to learn this thing. Yeah. It's weird how like, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm like somehow like in the last like decade of my life, I learned how to like apply myself to like things. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't that have been great? Yeah. If you would have been 20 or in college, that would have been fantastic. I would have been so useful, super useful. To have been able to actually attend class, do all the homework, this type of thing. Yeah, that uh, that wasn't happening for me either. But uh, as much, can you make any of the food? No. Does your mom cook at all? She does, but it's something I never really learned. Um, I, I honestly, I I'm in that group of people who are Chinese that don't like Chinese food very much. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. You know, I never liked Chinese food until I worked at a Chinese restaurant. I worked at a Chinese restaurant in Minneapolis uh, in between like my freshman and sophomore year. Of college, um, I was going to college in Madison. So I went to Minneapolis. My brother took me to lunch at a Chinese restaurant my first day. And I was like, I don't actually like Chinese food. And we, he's like, you'll like this. It'll yeah. be fine. Cause he's a boss. Yeah. And, uh, he's bossy. And so we walk in and he's like, see, there's a help wanted sign right there. And I was like, Oh, okay. And we sat down. The food was fine. I didn't know what I was eating. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I asked them if I could, if they were really hiring, and they were. It was mm-hmm. just someone to seat and and bus tables. Yeah. Very slash and burn. Yeah. It's a vol. As Mr. Chan used to say, uh, it's a volume industry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got to in and out, in yeah. and out. Yeah. And uh, so it was called the Village Walk, and it was a uh, call in Stadium Village over by the university. And I worked there all summer long, and I became a Chinese food snob, actually. So what do you, what do you really enjoy? I like um I like roast duck. Oh yeah, a me lot. Too. And I like um I like some like I like Chinese vegetables. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, there's a soup dumpling place here in the valley that uh this woman makes uh fresh soup dumplings. Oh, I think you know, I think I've heard about that. Yeah, it's 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 very funny. We were told about it by Mike Rickberg who does the theme song to this and he said, "You can't tell anyone. Hipsters will go there." And yeah. I was like, "It's in Tarzana. That's never happening." There isn't a hipster in the world who will drive to Tarzana. It's called Tampa Garden. If you're okay. ever in Los Angeles, okay. uh, Rangers, get out there, get yourself. And here's the thing: the soup dumplings are just okay, actually. They're they're good. I mean, the the dumplings, 
that she makes them fresh. Yeah. So the, the pasta is amazing. Yeah. But the regular Chinese food is the best Chinese that I can get without driving to Monterey Park. Yeah. And it is excellent. There's an amazing fish stew that's, that's really, really good. Ooh, you know that's what I like? spicy. What I do you like, like? Chinese bakeries. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What uh, is that? Um, it's I like, don't even know that. Well, it's sort of its own, like you get all of these different buns and things like that. And some of them are like the steamed buns that have like, oh, the, the barbecue or, stuff. Yeah. Or, or sometimes they have like red bean. I'm not a big red bean person. But they, they just like have all these nice little toasts and, and things and they're <laughs> sugary sometimes and right. savory other times. Um, they have one that's called pineapple bun. Okay. Uh, which is uh, not... It doesn't have any pineapple in it. It just kind of looks vaguely like a pineapple. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and just, I don't know. And like, is it, is it flaky or is it more like that steam bun? It's a little bit more dense. Okay. Um, it's sort of, I don't know. It's like, it's also got that kind of like individual packaging kind of like satisfaction in it. Like you'll have a tray and like some tongs and like, you know what's, it, Paris baguette is kind of like okay. the, the like chain version of that. All right. Uh, yeah. I have but, never been to that, but it sounds familiar. And they have little rolls that just like are like, like jelly rolls with like, the cream in them and things oh like that. Oh my god. Yeah. And then like little egg cups and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. good stuff. I mean, I don't like the egg cups, but I mean, that, that right. is a thing. But that's a yeah. thing that other people like. Yeah. And you are offering that out to them. Yes. They might like that. Yeah. So that, well, that's fascinating. I like the idea of sort of just going, well, I, cause your mom speaks it. Oh yeah. You have this ancestry. Yeah. Let's do something with it. And yeah. It, yeah. It's, I, I don't know how I'm going to use it, but I mean, I, I kind of enjoy it now. And I kind of just like being, I, I, it's funny because like when I was growing up, my mom would talk on the phone and I would just immediately turn it out, tune it out. Like I would pick up the phone sometimes and someone would be speaking Chinese and I'd just be like, mom, it's for you. Like, and I just don't hear anything, but now like I'm actually listening and trying to pick stuff out. And so, yeah, I don't know. It makes life a little bit more interesting. Right. Now, what is weird is, uh, I should have used this as an opportunity to go into baking. Oh yeah. Because you are, you enjoy baking. I do. Right. And that is an another dorkdom and baking is science. I don't know anything about baking. I can make those Nestle Toll House cookies. That's it. Uh, what do you like to bake? I will go through phases. Um, I went through a really big scone phase for a while and scones, scones. are good because they're easy. Um, they're yeah. kind of crumbly. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. They're all about butter being cut up in flour. So they're a little bit like biscuits in that way. Okay. Um, and then some liquid is added. Usually it's milk or cream or sometimes it's juice or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and then, um, it's one of those ones where, and then like you, I mean, you can use a pastry blender, like the thing with the wires or the blades where you just okay. like sit there and cut, uh, like it's kind of fun. Uh, it's easy. Like it's just like you have your flour and all of your like, you know, like leaveners and things like that. And then you like have a bunch of very cold butter. It's all about like working with like really cold fats basically. And, okay. Um, uh, and then but not you, frozen. Not, fr- well, okay. you know what? I do keep it Almost. in the freezer for a while before I use it because it just makes it easier. Like it's like the minimal amount of time it has to melt, like the better. Uh, and then you like cut all the stuff up into the flour and then you like pour in whatever liquid it is. Uh, and then you like immediately like, like, does that make it, it like that, that, um, that volcano kind of situation where, where do you make that? Oh no, that's like making pasta. Okay. Which I've also done, and that's cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like that's the one where like you have like a giant pile of flour. And yeah. Then, yeah. You crack a bunch of eggs into the center, into the like, middle of it, and it holds it. it. Yeah. And then you like use a fork to kind of like to kind of like gradually like like mix in, it in. Incorporate. Yeah. yeah. And then like there's almost nothing in pasta too. It's just like flour and eggs and maybe a little bit of salt. And that's it. That's it. Just eggs and flour. Yeah, pretty I much. don't think I knew that. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess you, I mean, you can put other stuff in it if you want, but I mean, like. I think I've made it. pasta and I don't remember that. It's, uh, but you have be... to get the proportions right, right? Yeah, and it can, yeah, I, I, sometimes, and then you have to get it through a pasta machine, so it has a lot to do with, like, like the moistness and the texture and, like, how fast you're doing it and, like, how much you need it and then you have to chill it and, like, yeah. A lot of times, like, especially making homemade pasta, it really looks terrible until you throw it in boiling water. Like, it looks weird and cracked and everything, and then you throw it in, in boiling water and like, oh, it's pasta. Right, and then yeah. it looks like noodles and stuff. Yeah, and I didn't know how to store it either, so I used to keep it in the fridge, and then it would just turn green because it's eggs. Oh, weird. Yeah. And also, keeping it from all sticking together is a whole other thing I didn't really think about too much. Like, you have it in, like, trays of flour, or you make, like, little bird nests Why does it, it turn into egg green? Does it go bad? I guess so. Yeah, I guess it goes bad pretty quickly. It's like leaving raw eggs and it's got raw eggs in it. So right. if you leave it in the fridge for like a couple of days and like they're just like sort of exposed, there's no shells or anything. Oh, weird. Like yeah. Weird. Yeah. I mean, I think I still ate it. But, well, yeah. you know, what are you, Rockefeller? Yeah, gonna and, right. <laughs> it's, uh, and the, have you ever heard of a book called Ratio? Yes, I don't have it. Have you read it? Uh, I, I was given it and I looked at it. Uh, no, I have not read it. I have read some of it. It is a math book. It is about ratios in baking. 
Oh, yeah, and you can use it to, to form your own recipes. Yeah, and yeah. make breads and pastas and and all of that stuff. I'm very interested in that book. I had I used to do paperback swap that site. Um, right. Yeah, and I might have that. a copy of it that you might be leaving with. Oh, if, that would be great. It would be in that. my list for like years. I'm, I think I gave it to my mother-in-law, <laughs> and then uh, my sister gave me another copy of it. I love my sister. Uh, I'm never going to read that. So <laughs> you have to have a reason. You have to. I mean, I don't make my own recipes. Like I know that people who are very serious about cooking and baking. Like some people are just like inclined to do that. But I'll okay, kind of, like I'll like find a cookbook and I'll just sort of work my way through everything that looks interesting, which is usually the dessert section. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, so do you do you make cakes or I pies? I do. I make cakes. I'm more of a cake person than a pie person. But okay. I'm learning how to make pie. Uh, I finally got a pie crust that I, I can handle. I made one for Thanksgiving. Uh, I made a nutmeg maple cream pie. Uh, which wow. Is like it's like a regular cream pie, but like the, the sugar is maple syrup and then you just throw a ton of nutmeg in it. It's okay. I have to write that down because yeah, Andy's going to want that. Nutmeg um, maple cream pie. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Jesus. And I just got that off the internet. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> like I'm, I'm never pie. making it, but he can make, he likes to make a pie. It's good. Do you make your own crust? Uh, yes. So okay. it's like a, it's an all butter crust. Um, and I finally figured out how to keep that. Is it all butter? Part. It's just butter. It's just one <laughs> ginormous slab that it's really hard to maneuver. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's gonna be hard to cut that. Yeah. It's, uh, is it just butter and flour? Yeah. Again? Like butter and flour and maybe some salt? salt or something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that is, uh, talk to me here. I've never understood this. How you make, cause I, mm-hmm. the cakes that I make, it's a box. Yeah. I go to a store, I, I buy like a box. box cake. Box cake, there's nothing wrong with box cake, but it is a different thing. It's just a different food. It's sort yeah. of like, um, boxed potatoes. Mm-hmm. They aren't mashed potatoes. They are different, they're a different food. Yeah. Which I also enjoy. Yeah. But, uh, talk to me about making a real chocolate cake. Okay. How do uh, you do that? It's, it's more like it's I feel like it's more like being willing to spend quite a bit of time on certain steps. I do like a fiddly recipe actually. Yeah, actually well, I mean they usually I mean I, I guess I can actually probably tell you off the top of my head. Um so usually what you've got is unsweetened chocolate uh and then butter and you mix those together like you basically you melt those. Uh, okay. They'll always say like use a like bo- like use a double boiler. I don't have one of those. Or like use like a bowl of like st- like over a bowl of steaming water on the stove. Forget it. Uh, you just do it in a in, in a, a microwave. Pan? I just do it oh. in like uh like a Pyrex measuring cup and you do it in like 30 second bursts and you keep stirring. We don't have a microwave. It. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then that would help too. Then I would need a double boiler or some jerry-rigged version. Yeah, of that. it's just something that you want to be is really it, careful. You don't want the chocolate to burn. Okay, is the unsweetened chocolate genuinely unsweetened? Uh, yes, it is, and that's okay. why you had to add the sugar. Actually, no. Now I'm thinking about brownies. Brownies are where you melt the butter. Uh, no, what you usually end up doing then in this case is you do melt the chocolate. You may melt it with butter. I can't remember, uh, but you melt the chocolate. Uh, sometimes you use actually non, like, like, like you use sweetened chocolate depending on like how the recipe, like unsweetened chocolate, uh, it's more chocolatey. Basically. It's more, it's, and, and it's just a better sort of stronger base. Yes. A chocolate base. Yeah. If you want the chocolate okay. flavor to be stronger, like then the more chocolate, the more unsweetened chocolate and the less other stuff you put in there to like mess with it, like milk or things like that. Generally, like if it's a butter cake, um, it's, uh, butter and sugar creamed together, which is, uh, like, you know, you just like stir it until it's sort of like, and usually yeah. you use a mixer. Um, you try to soften butter, which I've just learned one method of doing other than throwing it in the, in the microwave is you can just like hit it really hard a whole bunch of times with a rolling pin and that counts. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't have to like <laughs> leave it out of the fridge for like a, a, a period of time, which I never remember to do. You can just like right. hit it really hard. And it will sort of break into chunks or? Um, well, it'll just sort of like get all squishy in like a way that it would if it melted a bit more. Okay. Um, and then you, yeah, and you do that till that's kind of incorporated and kind of like, I don't know about crumbly, but like it's sort of like you can kind of recognize the texture. Um, it's like, it's creamy basically, but the sugar is incorporated. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll usually add your dry, uh, you'll probably add your wet ingredients at that point. So it'd be like milk or whatever it is and like the chocolate, uh, and the salt and like whatever leaven. Well, uh, no, like all the dry ingredients usually go in one bowl. Like that's like your baking. That was one of my, soda. that was my problem when I make the Tull House, uh, the first time I made and probably several because I make them very rarely. Yeah. <laughs> They're on the back of the Nestle chocolate packaging. Yeah. So I just put them together in the order that the ingredients were listed. Yeah. And then one day, uh, when my cookies were slightly clumpy and gross, yeah. uh, I read the directions yeah. and you're supposed to put all the dry in one bowl, all the wet in another bowl, and then uh, mel- mix them together. Yeah. Slowly. There are plenty of one bowl recipes. Like that's a thing too, like where it's, it's designed that you should be able to throw everything in there at oh. once. 
Um, it may not be, you may not throw them in at the same time. It may just be one of those things where you start wet and then you add the dry, but you only really use one bowl. That is nice. Um, or like the bowl of a mixer. But yeah, like you, then they basically like, you'll usually be like stirring all of this stuff and then like you'll add the dry stuff, uh, like by like degrees and then you'll just like, you, you've got a pan that you've buttered and floured or sprayed with whatever mm-hmm. and, uh, you throw that in there, throw that in the oven, don't open the oven and wait. Um, and 350? Uh, usually it's 350, maybe 325, depending on the recipe. Okay, fair enough. Um, and that's like your basic cake. Um, okay. And then, um, And you can change it. You can you make can, it lemon, you can make it whatever. Oh, right? yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Like a butter cake, like you can add chocolate, you can add spices, you can add whatever. Like there's like a lot of, like, yeah, it's a pretty basic thing. Uh, and then if you want to get fiddly about it, which is what I am learning how to do, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you can get really picky about what you do when it comes out, which is like you can level the cake, you can cut the dome off of it, and then like make sure it's a really flat layer, and then you can have a bunch of layers that actually look okay when you cut it open. Um, or you can trim the sides of it so it's like kind of like, you know, because you only have like two cakes, you kind of just like smash them together and it's like yeah you, know, you flip them and you've got this weird space and you're like and tippy. With whatever yeah. yeah um but you can be all fiddly about like making sure that it's all level and everything like that oh cool and but then yeah. what do you do with the extra parts just eat, eat it? it right <laughs> like people do you like have a bowl of it and you, you just have a bowl it. of crumbs yeah. and then you eat it while you put together some sort of uh, icing yeah it's great too because mm-hmm. like, especially if you're giving away the cake then you have your own little bowl of cake yeah <laughs> What about cupcakes? What do you, uh, how do you feel about a cupcake? I don't like cupcakes. You're not a cupcake person. I just don't. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know why I don't like it. I feel like I like. You like a big cake. I like a big cake. I like a sense shape of accomplishment. Of piece of cake. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Do you yeah. like a stacked cake? Do you I, like the layers? I like a layer cake with something in between, like it's, a jelly or yeah, a like jam cream or. or- whipped cream or whatever. I'm not a big buttercream fan, like unless it's like been professionally made because I'm terrible at making it. Okay. And uh, that's like the sugar and butter and like it's like powdered sugar and butter and like maybe some milk and then like whatever flavoring. Andy and, and his like mom, they're huge fans of this buttercream business. Um, I don't know a lot about cake. Mm-hmm. Cake is not my downfall. It turns out I am uh, in, in the world of s- sweet treats. Mm-hmm. I like pie better mm-hmm. and I also like ice cream better than all of them. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't, uh, I don't know if I'd say ice cream. I know I like cake. I really. You like just cake. love cake. Yeah, I mean cake is good. I mean I I'm not against cake. I will eat cake. No, I think like there's definitely like a preference though. Like you're a cake person or a pie person. Yeah, I know you're like a, you know there's like a cluster of desserts that you're into. Right, I do like an eclair. Ooh, yeah, because it has that. Oh my god, with the because it's all weirdly puck. Yeah. Like the, I don't know what the dough is on an eclair, but it's pockmarked or pocky. It's, what do you, what do you call it? Uh, well, it's puff pastry, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, or some kind of pastry dough. Oh, wait, it was called, it's like, I think it's C-H-O-U-H, O-U-X, I think it's like show or something. I don't okay. know how to pronounce it. Okay. Fair sure. enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you make pastry cream, which I have done, and that stuff is delicious. Pastry cream, is that different than custard? It's like a custard, yeah. Okay. I think it is a form of custard. I want an eclair now. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not a huge uh, sweet treat. And then you make ganache, which is like the the. the in that, I just love the word ganache. I, I can't even remember what it I is, mean, it, but ganache, it's like custard. You know what that is? It's pretty much just like, uh, like semi sweet or bittersweet chocolate and heavy cream stirred together, and then you let it set on whatever it is that you've just poured it on. That's oh, it. That is it. Yeah. Maybe there's extra sugar in it. I don't know, but wow, like, it's real simple and delicious. That it sounds delicious. What about now brownies and cookies? I mean, what do people bake? <laughs> do you make bread much? I do. I used to make it a lot, but it's been so hot that I don't really feel like making it. Um, right. There's a place in New York called Amy's Bread, and they have a couple of cookbooks that I've been working on. Or else, oh, you know my favorite cookbook is The New Best Recipe? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's like a nerd cookbook because they talk about – it's like the America's Test Kitchen people. Um, yeah. Like the Coast Illustrated people. And they just like – they're like, well, like our – like we tried all these other – like one egg and then we tried an egg and a half and then we tried two eggs. And oh, like, so this it was, was based that. on that? Yeah. Oh, but it's and not so like, America's Test Kitchen. It's not Christopher – I think it's like – it's not under like that arm of it, but it, they all come from basically the same people. Like, oh, really? Like Illustrated Magazine. Did you hear that they're firing that guy? They really? fired that guy? Christopher um, whatever his name Kimble? is? Kimble? Why? I don't know, but could you, that, that's the drama. There's yeah. the drama because Christopher, he founded it. Yeah. But they've, they've let him go. And he's got such a huge personality. Right. We were, we were watching an episode of America's Test Kitchen or Cook's Country. I don't know what it is because we don't have cable, but we have PBS. And, um, and we were watching it and Andy's speculation was that, uh, the two blonde cooks, mm-hmm. uh, have, uh, there's been a coup. 
Okay. And it would be great because they are very funny and I, I think that they're pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> he's got this like cantankerous personality and he's got the bow ties too. No, or is that the, yeah. the no, no, that's the bow tie guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's the bow tie guy and there's no reason. I mean, he might be insufferable. Who yeah. knows? Right? Insufferable is good television. Insufferable makes for the best television. Yeah. And I think they've been doing it for 15 years. <sighs> Maybe. And he's not retirement age. I yeah. mean, Hugh Howell went for until he was like a hundred. Yeah. So whatever. He's going to go bake cakes on a boat or something. Yeah. Yeah. So the, but the, I get Cook's Country, the, the magazine. Yeah. And I sometimes, I tend to skim the, the process because yeah. what they want to do is they want, I mean, some people love the story of the process and that's what that magazine is. You'd, you'd be, I'm a little weird that I like the magazine, but I like the it, final recipe. It is a version of Cook's Illustrated. Like that's like their like more like country version of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, oh man, the thing that does drive me crazy about those recipes is that there's always a step that makes it amazing and a step is completely non-intuitive and I haven't read it until it's too late. Oh, like there's like right. a way of making like some kind of pasta dish and you had to like leave it to sit in like a colander with like all the like mac and cheese or something. Right, and right. I was like, nobody would do that. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like now I've just done what I think you're supposed to do and I'm just, well, uh, it's not going to be amazing, I guess. Well, I'd make a mac and cheese and you have to make this roux mm-hmm. that takes about 30 or 40 minutes. Oh, God. And I just get bored. And I'm like, people are going to like it. Yeah. It's going to be fine. It's going to have cheese in it and there's going to be pasta. Yeah. So, and... I'm sure the consistency would be more perfect if I spent that 30, 40 times. But if I can't talk someone into doing it, it's not happening. I think so. I read something somewhere about like, there's definitely things that if you make them at home, they're so much better, but they're just not worth the effort. Like if you make your own, your own, if you churn your own butter, great, not worth it. Well, and it's, I mean, there's, my grandmother used to make these little wingnut Armenian things. Mm-hmm. They're dumplings. Everyone yeah. has a dumpling. Yeah. And they are called uh, manta or manti. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Manti, but whatever it was, they are about the size of wing nuts mm-hmm. and she would make them in lots of a thousand. Wow. And, uh, we would, there's six of us kids and we would just devastate. She'd be constantly like, what the hell are you? I just, yeah. cause you can eat them. What, what you do is you make them, yeah. you make tiny wing nuts, you bake them okay. and then you put them in bags yeah. and freeze them and then they go in soup. You can oh. also eat them right out of the oven by the handful. Oh, jeez. And that's a, I mean, my that's grandmother. That's a dangerous snack. Right. My grandmother was like, there's an hour. Uh, put it down. <laughs> there's another hour. Every handful was like, that's another hour. And, um, but it was, but they're, um, they're really, really good, but there's no reason for her to, uh, for that, for us to have eaten so many. Just eat five. Yeah. Eat five and then be dull, have them doled out like people. I guess, so. I mean, I know I have friends that do holiday baking and I try it sometimes, but I. Oh, the holiday cookies yeah, and stuff? Yeah. You know what? I don't like making cookies. Okay. Because I like throwing one thing in the oven and then just being done. Like, right. You like a big cake. Yeah. I hate batches. Like I don't mind making brownies because that's all one thing. And I don't okay. mind making a cake because all the layers go in at once. And actually I don't mind making a pie because that all goes in. Well, a cake, you have to be willing to do all the decorating. And usually that's like what I'm learning is like two days. You do the cake one day, you do the decorating the second day. Like, okay. Make all your frosting like the day of. Oh, mix it up. Yeah. Just like, don't, don't kill yourself. Right. Because otherwise it's a four, four and a half hour yeah. kind of or thing, isn't making it? making bread sometimes. Like some of them have to like you know, rise and then rise and then rise, yeah, right? Like 24 hours. So you better like have your weekend planned. My sister loves the more fiddly, the, I thought that I liked a fiddly recipe because I like a stew. Yeah. I like, sometimes I like a, a like pulled pork, North oh, Carolina pulled, pulled pork. pork. Yeah. That can take three days to make sometimes. Yeah. And I don't make it a lot, but mm-hmm. it's very good. Anyway, but the, what my, <laughs> my sister made homemade ramen mm-hmm. with, she made the noodles. She modeled the eggs. Oh God. It was the most amazing, but she spent six hours making ramen. Yeah. And then we ate it in the same 20 minutes we would have eaten a burger. But That's my problem with making it was pasta, so good. just in general. Like, you better have people coming over, and also they better be willing to wait just in case something goes horrendously wrong. Yeah, or be willing to order, yeah, <laughs> order a pizza or something. And I made pasta once, and it was really good. But I can't imagine doing it again. I'm good. I mean, I think also like I, I, you know, I live alone. So like there's only so many things I'm willing to cook by myself. Right. And you have to have people over. Yeah. People over or else I just like unload it on my neighbors or my friends. Like I'll text people and go like, Hey, there are cookies. 
Like, <laughs> Get on yeah. it. Yeah, because I'm going to eat half of it anyways. But, right. So yeah. please come over and deal with these eggs. Yeah. So what are your favorite? Let's just talk about books then. Okay. Because I'm here with Leslie Cena, you guys, uh, Rangers, uh, Dork Forest, and DevastatorPress.com mm-hmm. is where your book that you wrote with Asterios and Mr. Baker and uh, it's called Restart Me Up, The Unauthorized, Unaccurate Oral History of Windows 95. I get it. It's an oral history, but it's written. Yes. That's hard. Second. That it's took a, a second. It's like a tough form of joke to do because every joke <laughs> has to have a person and a point of view. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. LeslieSina.com, T-S-I-N-A.com. And then she's on uh, tw- Twitter and Instagram. And you have a solo show coming? Oh, you know, I do a solo show. Um, I'm not sure the next time I'm going to do it, but I've been doing things like the Canadian Fringe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, you do like fringe stuff. Oh, yeah. I've been on doing the road. The last couple of years. Okay. Um, it's called Lord of the Files. And actually, <laughs> it's about working at the cell phone company. Uh, we all got laid off in a really spectacular manner, like right before the economy crashed. Charming. Yeah. Uh, we were laid off via satellite broadcast at the Geffen Theater. Wow. Yeah. At the Geffen Theater? Yeah. Let's all gather so I can text you all together that you're no longer needed. Yeah, we didn't have a big enough conference room. So they walked us all over there. And wow. uh, then um, we heard from headquarters like on a on a that like they were shutting down uh the mobile division. My buddy Jim Wooster, who he uh he got laid off from Yahoo like that. Oh man, I know. It was Jim brutal. Do you know yeah. Jim Wooster? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, stand up comic. Yeah. Friend of the show, ladies and gentlemen, has been on several times. Not for years. Gotta get him back. Gotta get everybody back. But Leslie Cena, what uh what are the what what's a good um Cookbook. What do you oh, like? Uh, I like the new best recipe just as a basic, like, a comprehensive cookbook. Oh, good. I'm a really big fan of, uh, the blog Smitten Kitchen. Okay. Yeah. It's a woman in New York named Deb Perlman and she, she adapts recipes, but I just like the way she writes. Um, and, uh, another one, I like the Amy's Bread cookbook. There's a, there's like the sweeter side of Amy's Bread and then there's Amy's Bread. I think I okay. like the Amy's Bread cookbook the best. Well, thank you so much. For going down this rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. This has been fascinating. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing the show. Thanks for having me. You guys, it's been really fun. Take care of each other out there. Okay, bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. (laughs) My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?